gift that you have given to us, the gift that we celebrate at Christmas, the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. Jesus, we thank you for coming. We pray that you would help us now as we look at these wonderful stories of the people, even the angels, who reacted as they saw Jesus come. May we have awe in our hearts as we consider again what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to start out with a children's message today, so if anybody who considers themselves a kid would like to come up and sit with me, you are welcome to come up here and, uh, and sit with me. So, Come on, kids. Why don't you guys, why don't you kids sit on the floor right here so you can all see me. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, Merry Christmas, kids. Isn't it fun that Christmas is finally here? Is it hard to wait for Christmas? Did any of you just have to wait like a really, really, really long time for Christmas to come? 365, actually it was 366 this year, wasn't it? Boy, what a long time to have to wait. Now in our family, what, what did we have those little paper chains? Did any of your other families have those paper chains where our kids were getting so excited for like a month ahead of time that we had to finally just calm them down one day, right? And we made a paper chain. So every day, what did we do, kids? We take one off. And did it seem to go really, really, really slow? Yeah. But you know what? Christmas is finally here. You know what I remember waiting for when I was a kid at Christmas time? You don't remember? Yeah, you wouldn't remember, Shepard, because you weren't there when I was a kid. No. But uh, what I remember waiting for was, for some reason, we always waited until after supper to open our gifts. And it wasn't just supper that we had to wait for. Do you know what happened after supper then? The dishes. And it seemed like the dishes just took forever. And then my presents were sitting under the tree, and here are the adults wasting their time doing dishes. And I never guess I thought to help out with the dishes. Maybe I should have done that. But I just had to wait and wait and wait. And then finally we get to open the presents. I want you kids to think, what's, what's one of the best presents that you've ever received? Do you, ever rem- do you remember getting one and you were just like, whoa, that's just what I wanted. What, do you remember any of them that were really good? Yeah, what was it? A new bike. A new bike. Oh, yeah. In wintertime, you got a new bike. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> Did you take it out on the ice right away? And r- no, okay. What else? Do some of you remember a, a really good gift that you got? Mm-hmm. Shepard, what did you get? I got a set of, 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 of something animals. I don't know what that word was. Zoo, oh, zoo animals. I know what zoo animals are. Real zoo animals or like toy ones? Toy, toy zoo animals. That's pretty cool. Anybody else? Candy. Candy. Okay, good. <laughs> the baby thing that you got just yesterday. Um, well, what do you do when you get a gift? What's, what's, you kids, you know this, right? If, if Grandma and Grandpa give you a gift, you open it up, and then what should you say? You should say, thank you. We all know that we're supposed to say thank you for a gift. But then you're right, the next thing that we should do is it. Because the person who gave you that gift wants to see you enjoy it, right? Well, think about this. The best gift that we have ever received is, is who? Jesus. We are so thankful that Jesus came to us, born as a baby, but he grew up, and he is our Savior. So when we receive that gift, what should we do? 
should we should say thank you and we should enjoy that gift. Yes, Anna. Jesus was born just like a new baby. Which we could say welcome to Thaddeus' new brother, Ryan and Crystal. Is, is baby Aria here? New sister, sorry. <laughs> Thaddeus is the brother, Aria is the sister. So welcome, Aria, and congratulations to Ryan and Crystal. But yeah, so when we get a gift, it's good to say thank you, and it's good to enjoy that gift, okay? Okay, kids, you can uh, go back to your seats now. And I hope you adults were listening because that is the, uh, the illustration that I want to use for this sermon. I, I mentioned earlier that the four passages that we have read and listened to in our service, those are my, my, my sermon passages for the day. And I, wanna, I want us to think about the response to this wonderful gift that was given. So each of the four passages that we have looked at today has the same three themes in them. So we're going to walk through these three themes, and as we walk through each of the themes, I'm just going to show you where they show up in each of these four stories. And I think what we'll see is, is a great pattern for us that, that we should have in our lives. So the first theme that I want to look at is the theme of waiting. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be an Israelite and to have to wait all those years for the Messiah to come? Just think of some of their history. Let's just uh, think about King David for a moment. King David lived about a thousand years before Jesus was born. And that was a high time in Israel's history. And at the end of King David's life, there were some amazing promises given that King David would have a son who would sit on the throne forever. But we know what happened after, after David died. He, he had a son, Solomon, who politically was a pretty good king, but spiritually there was a lot that was lacking in Solomon. And it just went downhill from there. And yes, there were some times in Israel's history where they rebounded a little, but for the most part it was a roller coaster that went down. And by the time we got to Mary and Joseph, Israel was living under Roman oppression. And they didn't even have their own king. So can you imagine having these promises from God that there would be a son of David that would sit on the throne forever, but then to live underneath the thumb of a foreign government and not even to have your own king? Well, that's what the Israelites waited for. They were waiting for the Messiah. And each of the four passages that we're going to look at have this theme of waiting. And I want to start with Mary. Mary was clinging to these promises. And in chapter 1, verses 54 and 55, after receiving the message that she would be the mother of our Savior, she said of God, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. With those words, she was connecting the events of her life to the prophecy given to King David a thousand years before, and, and even longer than that, because she even mentioned Abraham, who was about 2,000 years before her. So for these Israelites, they waited and waited and waited for God to fulfill his promises. But Mary waited with faith and hope. And that, that's one of the things that I want us to get today, is that we wait as well. There are promises for us that are yet to come in heaven. And I want us to wait with faith and hope, trusting like Mary did, that God will fulfill his promises. And that's why Mary could say in verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. When you think about all the generations of Israelites who lived with things not the way they wanted them to, Mary could still say that God had mercy for those who would fear him in every generation. 
Now let's move ahead to Zechariah. And if you're unfamiliar with where Zechariah fits into the Christmas story, he was the father of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist was born just a few months before Jesus. And John the Baptist was the prophet who would prepare the way for Jesus. And similarly to Mary, Zechariah talked about waiting for God to make good on his promises. And in chapter 1, verse 70, Zechariah said that God was bringing about his plans as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. So Zechariah as well was clinging to these promises that God gave. And when he saw his son, John the Baptist, be born, and then eventually Jesus be born, Zechariah knew that this is what God had promised and was now fulfilling. And then let's move ahead to our third passage, the one with the shepherds and the angels. And in here is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Not just a favorite Christmas verse, but one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. 2.11. Oh, excuse me, that's another verse about... uh, God remembering his holy covenant. But here's the one, 2.11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. In that verse, there are references to two very important prophecies from the Old Testament. Prophecies the people waited for. So let's take a look at them. The first one has to do with that, that name Christ. Do you know what Christ means? Who knows what Christ means? Christ means, it eventually means king, yep. And uh, there's a step even before that. The word, you, and I think you all know this, it means Messiah. There you go. So what does Messiah mean? Well, Messiah means anointed one. And who were the anointed ones in the Old Testament? Well, it started off that the, the priests were the anointed ones, but then as, as King David and the other kings came along, that anointing would be a symbol of the king of Israel. So what we see here is this is getting back to these Old Testament prophecies about the king coming. The angels told about the Christ and the Israelites would have heard the Messiah, the anointed one, the king. Could this be the king that God promised? And I want to show you this promise because I think this is one of the, the most important passages in the Old Testament. In fact, I've called it the second most important passage in the Old Testament. It's the promise given by God to King David about his descendants after him. And I just want to read you a snippet of it from 2 Samuel 7, 12 and 13. God said to David, When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, some of that was fulfilled in King Solomon. King Solomon was a son coming from David's own body. King Solomon did build a house for God's name. King Solomon built the temple. But, as we look at this, and we see that God would establish the throne of his kingdom forever, we know that something's lacking in Solomon because Solomon died, just like humans do. So this prophecy had to be talking about someone else, a son of God who would live forever. And we now know that to be Jesus Christ. But the Israelites waited and waited and waited for that to come about. And this was finally fulfilled then when Jesus came. And then as we get back to 2.11, there's another part of the prophecy there that I want to mention, that part where it says today, in the town of David. This is in fulfillment of the prophecy of Micah 5.2, which says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. 
So the very birthplace of Jesus was prophesied in this verse. It would be in Bethlehem, which is the city of David. And by the way, do you know what Bethlehem means? This is pretty cool. Bethlehem means the house of bread, which in our terms we would call a bakery. So you'd go to the house of bread to buy bread. So think about this. Jesus, the bread of life, was born in the city named Bakery. Isn't that pretty cool? <laughs> but God's people waited a long, long time for that to happen. But then let's move on to our fourth passage, the one about Simeon and Anna. They both waited for a long, long time. Let's read about Simeon in 2, 25 to 26. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Simeon knew that God would fulfill his promises, and when he saw Jesus, he knew that that fulfillment had come. And then also Anna was old, very old. It says in here that she was 84, or it could even mean that she had lived for 84 years after she was married, but uh, she was either way very old. And it says in verse 37 that she waited at the temple, worshiping night and day. She knew that God would bring about his good plans and she waited at the temple in, in hope and in faith that God would do what he said. So Israel waited for thousands of years. But they waited in hope because they knew that even if it took a long time, God would bring about what he promised. And may we remember that as well because we still wait for promises too. And we'll get back to that at the end of my sermon. But let's now move on to our second theme, salvation. Each of these four passages speak of salvation that comes from God. And let's start with Mary again. In 147, she praised God, her Savior. And then she spoke about salvation in terms of God's mercy. In verse 54, she said, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. Mary knew that because her baby Jesus was coming into the world, that God was bringing mercy and salvation. In fact, the very name Jesus means what? The Lord saves. That's what the name Jesus literally means. And Mary knew that this salvation was coming in her son. But then let's move on to Zechariah. In verse 69, he said that God had raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And then also in verse 77, Zechariah spoke about how his son, John the Baptist, would bring people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. And that forgiveness is going to be very important. I want you to remember that. We'll, we'll talk about that at the end as well. Actually, let's, let's hang out on that for a moment here, because without forgiveness, none of us could have eternal life. Every single one of us had earned a death penalty by our sin. We were separated from God because of what we had done in our sin. But because Jesus came, we can have forgiveness. Now let's move on to the, the shepherds and the angels. In verse 211, that, that very powerful verse, we see that Jesus is called Savior and Lord. Two very, very important titles for Jesus as we consider what it means for us to be sinners in need of salvation. He's called Savior, and this one is super simple, couldn't be easier. He's Savior because we needed to be saved. There are too many people in this world who think that our salvation comes perhaps because our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds. But think about that. If, if I were to get into heaven because my good deeds outweighed my bad deeds, who's my Savior? That'd be me. But you know what? 
I know for certain that I am not able to save myself from death. Unless God steps in, I'm dying. And it's not just physical death that would come to me. It is spiritual and eternal death that would come to all of us unless a Savior comes. And that's what it means then that that Jesus was born to us as our Savior. He is the one who saves us from our sins. We could not save ourselves. But then Jesus is also Lord, as it says in that verse. And the title Lord means two things. First of all, it's, a, it's the name of God. It's the name of the, the Father in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we see that the Father and the Son are not ashamed to share that title, Lord. So he is not just a human baby. He was a human baby, 100% human, but also 100% divine. He is God the Son, the second member of the Trinity, who took on human flesh. He is the Lord. But then also that word Lord means master, and that's one of the most important things that that I ever say. That, That Jesus Christ is Lord, it means that he is our master. We like to pretend that we are in control of our lives, but we were not created to be the Lord of our own lives. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what we are to confess for our salvation. But then let's move on to Simeon and Anna as we consider salvation. In 2.30-32, Simeon said, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So when Simeon saw Jesus, he saw salvation. And Simeon knew that this salvation was for all people. It's just like what the angels said. Remember when they came to the shepherds in the fields? The angel said in 2.10, It is good news of great joy that will be for who? All the people. And I think this is great because Israelites, they had a hard time understanding this. They knew that God was their God, but they had a hard time understanding that God wanted his salvation blessings to extend beyond their borders. But the angels knew it, and here Simeon knew it. And how did Simeon know this? How did Simeon know that this salvation would be for the Gentiles as well? I think it has to be because he was looking into Scripture. He, was, he understood the character of God, that it was too small a thing for God just to save Israel. And that salvation was meant to go to all the nations. And then Anna was the same way. In 2.38, she came up... Uh, to Mary and Joseph and it says coming up to them at that very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem so just like Simeon when Anna saw Jesus she knew it was God's plan of salvation and she was able to tell others about it so God's people had been waiting a long long time but when Jesus came salvation came with him the greatest gift that we could ever receive, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. But this is not the end of the story. And and the reason it's not the end of the story has to do with a theme that I have been harping on all year here, and you're going to get to hear me do it once again here as we close out 2016. It is not enough for us simply just to, to receive this gift. There is another step that we should do after it. And it's the third theme today, the theme of praise. Everyone that we see in these passages today, when they saw what God was doing in bringing Jesus, they praised God. Let's start with Mary again in 146 to 47. She said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That word glorifies means to exalt. 
means to lift high, to make much of God. And this was no cold, unfeeling exaltation. It was her spirit rejoicing in God, her Savior. And this whole passage we've been reading about Mary is often called Mary's Song. It's something that she said or possibly even sang as a praise to God. Is that how your heart responds to God's salvation message? With praise and joy? I hope so. I hope that you know that the gift you have been given in Jesus Christ is so amazing that that your heart overflows with joy. You see, there's a couple different ways we could look at praising God. One way is we could say, okay, well, here it is, Sunday morning again. I suppose I should sing some songs. Or we could look at it to say, my heart is overflowing with joy because I know that I would be dead without Jesus. And he has given me life. And my heart overflows, not just on Sunday morning when we sing, but every day, every moment of my life. I want to overflow with resounding praise to God because he is worthy. And then I want to say one other thing about Mary. She was given a really important job. She was handpicked to be the mother of our Savior. And in response to learning that she was handpicked for that job, twice she called herself a servant. Once was in verse 48 of the passage we read, and then another one was in verse 38 that we didn't read. That was earlier. But twice she called herself a servant. She had the humility to know that this plan wasn't really about her. Now, how many of us do you think would respond that way? If God handpicked you for a job, sent an angel to tell you that you were the one that was chosen for a really important job, how many of us, you might think, hey, God noticed me. Yeah, I I must be something pretty good. That wasn't Mary. And maybe that's why Mary was picked. Because she was so humble that she was ready to serve. And in that, I think that Mary is one of the best examples in the Bible of humble servanthood. We shouldn't worship Mary. Nobody should do that. But we should look at her as a phenomenal example of serving God however he asks. So is that where your heart is at today? Would you be willing to say like Mary would, I am your humble servant, God. Do whatever you want to do with me. Would you say that even in your heart right now to God? It can be a dangerous thing. Look what it meant for Mary. And I don't know what it will mean for you, but I pray that we would all have that humility and that servant heart to say to God, whatever you want for me, God, I will do it. Your plans, that's fine with me. I give myself to you. Let's move on to Zechariah. In 168, Zechariah said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. The word praise here implies using the mouth to bless. And just like Mary, Zechariah praised God for this coming plan of salvation. Jesus brings salvation. It is worth praising God for. And then let's move on to the passage about the shepherds and the angels. There's lots of praising in this one. And and let's start with the angels. In verse 13, it says that there was a great company of angels. It's like all the angels were crowding around the manger, just wanting to see what God was doing. And in verse 14, they said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Even the angels praised God for bringing salvation to humans. And I find this interesting because Jesus was born as a human baby so that he could take on the sins of humanity and and rise again from death so that humans could place their faith in him. But the angels saw this 
And they saw the heart of God behind it, and they praised God. And then moving ahead to verse 18, this is where the shepherds spread the news. And it says, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So the news started going out right there, and the people who heard it were amazed. And then we see Mary again in verse 19. And it says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And I like this one. She knew that the gift of salvation was amazing. And earlier we saw her rejoicing and glorifying God. But here we see her quietly contemplating the gift of salvation. Did you know that your quiet thoughts can be an act of praise? Did you know that as you, maybe you're just sitting in your lazy boy and you're thinking about what God has done for you, that that can be an act of worship? And may that be multiplied in our lives over and over and over as we consider what God has done for us. In, in the quietness of our heart, as we ponder things, as we treasure them, may we rejoice in God our Savior. And then the shepherds praised God too in verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So isn't this great? Everyone who hears of this news is praising God. And then let's move on to Simeon and Anna to see how they praise God. In verse 28, Simeon took baby Jesus in his arms and praised God. Here is again a, a word that would imply using the mouth to praise or to bless God. And then let's look at Anna. Now I love this part of the story so much that I named my daughter Anna. So in verse 38 it says, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So there's two things that Anna did here that serve as a great example for us of how we can praise God. First, she gave thanks to God. So that's the one where she is using her mouth to glorify God, probably out loud, either spoken or singing praises to God because she knew that God was worthy. But then second, it says that Anna spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So think again of how the Israelites waited and waited and waited for their redemption. And not everyone knew where to look to find it. And think about that in Jesus' life. As Jesus grew up and he walked around during the years of his public ministry, he was proclaiming salvation. Good news. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. But when people heard him, not everyone believed him. Not everyone knew that salvation was coming through him. But Anna knew it even when he was a baby. Now how did Anna know this? This is part of what I love about the, the Anna story. How did Anna know that salvation was coming through Jesus Christ? I think it has to do with what it said of her earlier in verse 37, where it said, uh, she never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Do you see what Anna did? She constantly put herself in a position where she would hear God's word and understand God's plan. And when she saw baby Jesus, she knew what God was doing. May we all be people who are so familiar with God and his word and his plan of salvation that we not only know it, but the, that we are ready to tell others about it as well. That is one of the best acts of, acts of praise that we can give to God is to explain the message of salvation to other people. And it's my hope and my prayer that, that my daughter Anna will be a, a worshiper like that and will, will be someone who can tell others about Jesus, but it's my hope and prayer for you all as well.
So we can praise God by thanking Him. And we can praise God by telling others about Him. So there we have it. Four Christmas stories. Four different stories about different people responding. But they all responded in similar ways with these themes of waiting and salvation and praise. And I, I want to move now to application. I want to look at these three themes, not just in the lives of people 2,000 years ago, but I want to I bring it to 2016. And let's see how we can apply these themes. So the first one is this theme of waiting. We have waited all our lives for things to be made right. Am I right? Think about sickness, death. And those are things that happen to us, but some of the bad things are things that we bring about ourselves due to our own sin. Do you not long for a time where there will be no more mourning or death or crying or pain, where there will be no more sin? God has promised that to us in heaven. I long for that. But I have good news for you. That time will come. For those of us who trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, He will bring us to that place. He has a plan to bring us to live with him forever. That plan was revealed to us more fully at Jesus' birth. God's people waited a long time for that to come, and now we have waited for a long time for the next stage of that to come. We wait. We wait for Jesus to come again, and he will make everything new. But let's learn the lesson from these Old Testament saints who waited and waited and waited with faith and with hope. And we can trust that our God will make good on his promises. He will fully save us. And that leads to our second theme, the theme of salvation. This is the best gift that we could ever receive. It's what God's people waited for. It's what God's people praised him for when they saw it coming in baby Jesus. It's what we can receive through Jesus Christ. And I want to make sure that every single one of you knows exactly what it is to receive salvation, to receive Jesus Christ. So I want to show you two verses in the Bible that explain it. The first one is Romans 10.9 that says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We are to believe in Jesus. And specifically it says at the end of this verse that we are to believe that God raised him from the dead. Now, I know that this is more Easter than Christmas, but I think it's very appropriate for us to go, to go here. That baby Jesus grew up. He became an adult. He lived a perfect life. He went around telling people about the kingdom of God and how we could have salvation. And when he died on that cross, he took your sin and my sin and the sin of the world upon himself, and he died for it. He, the perfect spotless sacrifice. I've been reading Hebrews lately and it says in there that the, the sacrifices of the Old Testament, they were offered endlessly, day after day because those sacrifices could never take away the guilt. But Jesus, when he offered himself once for all as a perfect sacrifice, took our sins upon himself and paid that penalty that we could never pay off so that any who receive him can receive salvation through faith in Christ. And Jesus proved he had the power to do that by rising from the dead. So do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? 
that's part of what it means for us to have salvation is that we would believe in that. But then also in Romans 10, 9, it says at the beginning there that we are to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And remember I told you earlier what Lord means? First, it's a name of God. It's a title of God. So this is God the Son, the second member of the Trinity. But then also to say that Jesus is Lord, it means that Jesus is Master. And this again is such a tricky one for us humans because we like to think that we are the king or the queen of our own lives. We like to think that we're the Master and that we have every every right to live our lives the way that we want to. But do you know what? If Jesus is Master, then we give our lives to him. We, We give up any pretense of being our own Master and we receive him humbly, like like Mary, the servant. We give our lives to Jesus and we walk with him. By faith, we are to lay down our lives. Just like Jesus laid down his life at the cross, we are to lay down our lives. We are to die to ourselves. We are to die to sin. And what happens then, when we die like that, God gives us new life. It happens as we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that he rose from the dead. Will you confess that? Will you believe that? And then there's one more verse that we've already looked at on salvation, but I want to show it to you again. Luke 1.77. This one is about Zechariah speaking of his son, John the Baptist, who would give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Forgiveness is so important. Think of it this way. There are two paths. The Bible often talks about two paths. One path is the path that God has for us, and the other path is the path of our own choosing that leads us away from God, that leads toward death. Or even as we said last week, it's the path that Satan wants us to take. And every single one of us had chosen the wrong path. Repentance is the act whereby we acknowledge before God that we have chosen the wrong path, that we have sinned against him. And in repentance, we ask God to forgive us for our sins. Because remember, there's nothing that we could do to take care of our death penalty. It's only through the blood of Jesus that we could be forgiven. So when we repent, we ask God to forgive us, and we we ask for his strength to walk on the path that he has for us. And as we repent like that, we receive salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So have you done that? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Have you confessed with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believing that God raised him from the dead, and knowing that the path of life that you should take is not the one simply that you want, but the one that God has for you? Please, if you have not yet, please repent and receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. It's the best gift you could ever receive. But we're not done there, right? Because there's one more step. It's the step of praise. It's like receiving that gift at Christmas time. You're supposed to say thank you. And it's funny, you know, all, all kids know that you're supposed to say thank you. Even, even our two-year-old, you know, we can say, okay, look at Grandma, say thank you, good job, way to go. There are things that we should do when we receive a gift. One is to say thank you, but then that that second part, and this is the one that I mentioned to the kids, we should enjoy that gift. Let me give you a little story of this. Josiah bought a gift for our family, and he gave it to us a few days ago. He he bought our family uh, a package of rockets. They're they're like little foam rockets, and they each have a hand pump. 
So you put the rocket on the pump, and then you have a battle in your house. So, um, so Josiah gave us this gift, and it was really cool. All the kids loved it. All the adults, even Christine loved it. And, uh, but you know what was fun? It was fun to see Josiah enjoying us having a blast. Get it? Having a blast with our rockets. Um, Josiah gave us that gift, and he wanted us to enjoy it. And I think, as we think about the gift that God has given us in salvation through Jesus Christ, he wants us to enjoy it. So yes, we should thank him. And that that thanking him shouldn't just be that one-time thank you for the gift. That should be a lifetime of thanks and praise. But also, the way that we praise God for this gift is that we walk on the path that he has for us. God has rescued us from death to life. And one of the best ways that we can thank him is to walk with him with joy on that path that he has for us. God will strengthen you in the power of the Holy Spirit. He will give you joy as you walk on that path. We might think that there is fulfillment in that other path, the path of our own choosing, but really the one that leads to true life and joy and peace is the one where we walk with God on the path that he has for us. And as we walk on that path then, may we tell others around us about the gift of life. Just like Anna in the Bible praised God and spoke to the other people who were waiting for salvation, may we be people who speak to people that way. Do you know what? People want to go to heaven. They really do. There's something that's getting in the way though. Not everybody wants to confess that Jesus is Lord. But if you were to talk to people, they want to go to heaven. May we be people who tell them how they can get there through faith in Jesus Christ, through confessing that he is Lord. We can enjoy new life with God right now, even in difficulty. And I know that some of you are going through difficulty right now. But even in difficulty, we can have peace and joy as we trust that God loves us and rescues us through his son, Jesus Christ. God has given us an amazing gift of salvation. Let's praise him for that gift. And yes, we still wait for the final stages of this salvation gift. We still wait for heaven. But let us be people who worship God while we wait. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the gift of life and salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we confess again that Jesus Christ is Lord. May we always live that way, recognizing that we were not created to direct our own lives, but that we, were, we are your servants, God. Just like Mary was your servant, we give ourselves to you, God, to be your servants. God, we thank you for how you have always made good on your promises, and we know that you will make good on your promises that are still to come for us. We pray that you would help us to wait with hope and by faith, as we wait for heaven, as we wait for Jesus to come again. But we thank you that Jesus already came once, that he came to bear our sins and to win the victory over sin and death and the devil so that we could have faith, we could have life in him. And God, I just pray right now if there's anyone in here, anyone listening, who has not yet put their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we just come before you and we repent of our sins. We say, God, I need you. Please forgive me, a sinner. Thank you for your great love for me. I pray to receive Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. I give my life to you. And God, we know that you have good plans for all of us from here. Help us to worship you, to walk with you, to trust in Emmanuel, God with us, as we go through this life. 
May our whole lives resound with praise to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.